0: Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs right here on the Lockdown NBA Network. I am Jeff Garcia, your host for today, and also from Spurs Zone over at News San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Hey, the road trip is over. Thank goodness. I guess that's what we should be saying. The Spurs completed their annual roadie, and they're going to be going back home um, soon this week, uh, Wednesday night, to play against the Dallas Mavericks. But that is for a different show. Uh, we're going to be looking back at what happened during – the rodeo road trip 2020 also on the show Keldon johnson got significant run in the final game at okc and the rodeo road trip did he do enough to open eyes and maybe just maybe convince the spurs popovich the coaching staff to you know what maybe he just stick around in san antonio more often than in austin uh, i am joined by the one and only james pleasure he is a co-host of the saturday morning hangover you can find over at espn san antonio He's also known as Iron Man he loves him some Tony Stark. <laughs> Welcome back, James. Thanks for having me, Jeff. <laughs> so the Rooney Road Trip is over, thank goodness. But I'm going to play a little game with you. The good, the bad, the ugly. What do you want to start off with?
1: Let's start with the ugly.
0: All right, I wanna go take it away. First. What is the ugly I want to go worse saw? to first.
1: Uh, the ugliest thing I saw on the Spurs rodeo road trip this year, um, there were a couple of ugly moments. Um, when you talk about the Spurs and their rodeo road trip this year, it hasn't been great. Of course, the Lakers game, them getting blown out after playing the Clippers so close, Mm -hmm. that was ugly. Their follow-up blowout loss to the Kings was equally as ugly and may have been the ugliest moment of the rodeo road trip when you combine everything together. Giving up at one point a 23-point lead against the Nuggets was incredibly ugly, and last night was ugly. You're shooting 39% from four. You shoot 29% from three. You get your leading scorers are Rudy Gay and Marco Bellinelli with 14 and 13 points apiece. (laughs) piece. LaMarcus Aldridge goes 3 of 10 from the floor, and DeMar DeRozan goes 4 of 12. I mean, that's that's about as ugly as you can make it look, yep. and it looked like people were just not defending the three-point line last night as Oklahoma City continued to just n- nail them. Danilo Gallinari shape – Gilgis Alexander, they all just seemed to get whatever shot they wanted off. And so offensively, it was ugly. Defensively, it was ugly. It was just an ugly game. And I, I saw you tweet out Billy Donovan's comments about them playing pretty well last night. Yeah. I didn't see it in the game. I watched.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he was being very just nice about things because everything pretty much his team took it to San Antonio. I got to agree with you, James. There was just, just too much ugly in this roadier road trip. Um, they finished, what, two and six? Uh, mainly more, and blowouts six. Than, yeah, more, more blowouts than maybe the Spurs fans are used to. And if you want to dig into how ugly it was, in their four losses, they were losing by a margin of 16 points. So they were getting smacked up and down in those four losses. They weren't even keeping it close. You could even give it a respectable loss. But no, they were pretty much getting pounded every time they queued up the W. Um, One other thing that I thought was kind of ugly in the road road trip was just the lack of willpower, the lack of just knowing that, hey, you're a competitor, you're a pro player, go out there and play like one. We did not see that at all in the loss to OKC. OKC was having that energy, having that willpower, having that hustle. You didn't really see it at all. There was one play where uh, OKC's Dort just hustles for the ball dives out of bounds, and then another play, he rips a ball out of a Spurs player's hand. You didn't see that at all, in any type of life, um, in that last game on the Rudy Road Trip. Sometimes like that, James, I look at this team and say, you know, why even bother coming out of the court if you're not going to even bring some effort, James?
1: Yeah. Um, it's It's really tough to get a grasp on what this team is because you see flashes of greatness and you're like, Oh yeah, they can. And then they like their previous win over the jazz. And you're like, wow. Okay. They're only two and a half games out of the eight seed. I can see this now. Like they're, they looked better in their last two games. Everything looks like it's starting to come together. And then they just throw this at you and completely Mm -hmm. call into question everything you think you were starting To gather a picture about. And it works both ways because they start losing, start losing, start losing this rodeo road trip. All of a sudden, they play a good game against Oklahoma City going into the break. They come out of the All Star break and dump the Jazz. And you're like, okay. Like, it works both ways. Like, you can't gauge this team because there's not a good amount of evidence, one way or the other, that shows anything other than inconsistency as I mm-hmm. guess the most consistent thing you can gauge right. from this team so far. And it's, it's at least from a covering the team standpoint, infuriating and frustrating is all get out because you just don't know. And I, I think it's bleeding over into the fans,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm not sure.
0: Well, I can tell you, as somebody who has a pulse on the fan base, it it is bled over and I think it's bled over uh, games ago. Um, Spurs fans pretty much for the most part, not all have checked out already. Um, they're already talking draft or looking at Keldon, who we'll talk about later and then Luca and, uh, Weatherspoon, et cetera, et cetera. So I think Spurs fans have checked out for the most part, but yes, this was another mm-hmm. ugly road trip, uh, for the Spurs. And I think it's, it's just, this it, is, it gets a little easier considering their schedule lightens up a bit as far as uh, heavy, uh, teams that have to face I think Dallas is like one of the few that they'll have to face, at least coming back from the roadie road trip as far as being a top heavy team. But you know, they're, they're not out of the woods yet, at least to the bad now. And I'll start us mm-hmm. off on this one. The bad for me is that they had an opportunity to at least get some ground on Memphis and Portland. They you know, Portland loses three straight Memphis loses two straight. You, you go, like you mentioned to Utah, beat them in their gym. You you start the break, beating OKC. You're getting some sort of momentum to close the gap, at least somewhat. And they blow those opportunities. To me, that was very bad to, wa- to watch from uh, the San Antonio Spurs. James, what was your bad?
1: Uh, I guess the bad would be when you look at it, because there was so much ugly, trying to parse the ugly from the bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It is>. um <laughs> I I guess defensively it didn't mm-hmm. seem all that great all this uh, over this rodeo road trip. Yeah. And offensively it's been inconsistent at best, which is bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, you put up 103 last night, but then you put up 130 the other night. Like, you you <laughs> don't know what you're what you're getting and the is probably the bad when it comes to this team is just the ability to defend the three-point line and and kind of make players have to work for their shots some nights and other nights where it looks like they're just unloading, you know, in a Mm three-point contest where they're just, you know, (laughs) wide open on the perimeter, just bombing away on them. So it becomes, uh, almost as if it's, I don't care defensive effort in some games Mm -hmm. and, It becomes infuriating, but that's the worst part of this is the the inconsistency you see, especially on the defensive end and knowing that pop Mm -hmm. treasures defense and effort and those kind of things, it becomes tough to watch. And that would be, I guess, the bad of the rodeo road trip for me so far is just the continued defensive inconsistency and inconsistency of the team, I guess, all around.
0: Yeah, you look at what the Spurs did at least in the last few games as far as their losses are concerned. You know, 131, they gave up to Oklahoma City. Then, you know, before the two-game winning streak, gave up 127 to Denver, 122 to Sacramento, 125 to Portland, 129 to the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. You're giving up that amount of points, and you're not getting it done offensively. Offensively, that's where they at least show they shine bright this season is they can score, but... They can't even do that right because you mentioned the inconsistency. And i oh, fine. Okay, maybe this team is not great defensively, but man, try to outscore your guys because you definitely have the horses to do that. But they can't even do that, and that's what's really is bad. Is that the one thing they were good at, and they are still good at offense? They couldn't get it done during this rodeo road trip. And but when you're looking at the rodeo road trip, and this is going to really test you, James. Is there anything good? you come out of the last eight games
1: yeah it's the same good we see in flashes from them all season long it's the good that makes you go this can be a playoff team and this is a team that if they get in and they're playing at at their peak they can compete with almost anyone because Mm -hmm. we've seen it we saw it in the clippers game we've seen it uh, against the jazz we saw it you know a against the thunder the first time around like we've seen them play fantastic basketball on both ends of the court and that's probably the best good i can give you is the the moments of good and mm-hmm. i say moments as in game entirety like when they play a complete mm-hmm. game like in those it's it's impressive and it's like mm-hmm. wow this all right this team can compete this team's got a chance this team may be going for the eighth seed isn't a bad idea but then you lose a couple of games and you look bad Mm -hmm. doing so and you fall back to to four games back of Memphis again all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and you're like what's going on man I just (laughs) don't know and I want to know I just because if if you're even trying to tank you're doing that wrong because you're not going to get anything better than a it, let's say at best, unless a lottery ball magically bounces your way, which mm. of course would. But at best, you're looking at what a 12th pick.
0: 12C, yeah. This isn't yeah, a,
1: it, this isn't a great. That's not a great draft pick. That's not yeah. a franchise-building draft pick.
0: No. No, I mean. So unless it's they, not they like
1: the purposeful losses. Like the the wins are the things that are going to frustrate you more than the losses, just because you'd rather be in the four to six range when it comes to those picks, just because this class isn't the last two years. You've got a couple of guys up top and one of them's a ball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're they're not, if they're low key tanking as everybody's been thinking they've been doing this season because with the lineups, then they're not even doing that. I'm one of them. (laughs) I know you are. You've been very vocal about that, (laughs) whether it be on Saturday (laughs) morning hangover, which you can find on ESPN San Antonio. And, um, or here at On Spurs, but you know, when, for me, when I look at the good, you know, there's some good, you know, I like the fact that they're, they're finally making three point shots, you know, they're making a franchise best 10 per game. So mm-hmm. yay. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're minimizing mistakes with turnovers The 9.5 in the last six. I think that's like tops in the NBA. So yay. And at least for a couple of games, we saw what DeJounte Murray can't beat. Uh, he pretty much stunk up the gym, uh, at okc i mean scoreless just rushing things and not being a facilitator but when he was within his game and settling in and doing what a point guard should do we saw what he did against utah we saw what he did against oklahoma city so Mm -hmm. there's that i mean i guess maybe the biggest good is that that it's over maybe that's yay it's over that's good (laughs) you know they can regroup and go home the rodeo road trip is over, but I don't think this roller coaster
1: of yeah. the season over. Oh. So,
0: <laughs> you're absolutely right. It it it's, it definitely is over. Thank goodness. But hey, that means a date with the Dallas Mavericks, the six seeded Mavericks Yay. in San Antonio. So uh, yeah, Luca's a matchup nightmare back. for a it, team that's not is.
1: playing very good defensively.
0: Yeah, and then when you have what Bryn Forbes. Uh, guarding uh <laughs> who did he guard last time oh um uh, shade gilders alexander i mean God, God, that's why,
1: alexander
0: yeah yeah sga just uh, lit him up and well we saw what happened so there was the good the bad and the ugly courtesy of myself and james pleasure of esp in <laughs> san antonio but when we get back we're going to talk about a little bit of some good that being uh, Keldon johnson We're back, and I'm joined by James Pledger. He is the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover you can find on ESPN San Antonio. I love going on his show. You should tune in right away. And where can fans tune into that, James?
1: Uh, You can listen on ESPN San Antonio, 1250 on the AM, 94.5 on the FM, or if you're out of range, you can always listen online at ESPNSA.com. That is Saturday mornings from 9 to 11.
0: And and make sure to follow ESPN San Antonio on Twitter. Why? Because James is just great at posting content immediately. The moment a segment is over, whether it be on the Blitz or Saturday Morning Hangover, it's like right there. You are Tony Stark with those magical technology. I try
1: technology to had. get it, get the content out as quickly as possible for everybody. So people like yourself can immediately dive in and start to dissect everything we say or talk everybody we talk to.
0: <laughs> James, the Spurs have themselves an empty roster spot um, since uh, parted ways. Maybe just one game, but does that do enough for you to say, you know what, Spurs, you may want to think about keeping them in San Antonio versus Austin.
1: Well, the problem becomes we all have clamored for seeing this all year long. We've also clamored for more lo- minutes for Lonnie Walker. I mean, there's a lot of things we clamor for. The question is they do enough to impress the Spurs coaching staff. Cause I think everyone unanimously would like to see more of Kelton Johnson with the Spurs and getting more minutes, but I don't, the problem becomes, was it enough for the Spurs mm-hmm. staff to warrant him being on the roster? I think that's the more important question. And I don't know, for, for part of the, part of me just feels the Spurs aren't going to deviate from their way of doing things, as evidenced by Lonnie mm. Walker himself. I mean, you still see minutes, minutes, minutes. He'll get uh, uh, what felt like a season-high 23 last night, but it wouldn't shot me against Dallas if he ended up doing something wrong in the to Oklahoma City to where he ends up playing like eight. Against the Mavericks.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. It looked, so Kelvin has been in. I'm sorry. Go ahead, James. As great as Kelvin looked to us, there may be some assignments he missed. There may be some things that he missed offensively uh, in terms of rotation or something like that. And Pop may be like, well, you're going back. Da- you're going back to Austin for another couple of months. <laughs> yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing about dealing with youth rookies and these types of players with so much promise is we we don't get to see them very often. We only get glimpses and flashes and blowouts where they come up and play. And that's about the only time we get to see any of these, any of these players, at least in, in the early stages of their career or their development. So if that's the case, I, I, I would love, and to me, yes, I would, I would love to see more Keldon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but Spurs history yeah. tells me we're just not gonna.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, if Popovich was quick to pull Lonnie Walker off the court, uh, for just one missing assignment and bench him and then come out in early the season and say, uh, Oh, he wasn't competitive enough. You know, if, if, Kelvin does one little mistake, a major mistake at pop size. And yeah, he's back to the bench or back to Austin. And I do believe that he will be going back. To but what we saw in those 13 minutes of play was just wonderful. I think the potential is there. You can see. That upside in him, you can see in that one play, James. And I'm sure you saw it too, where mm-hmm. he was just fighting for the rebound, bouncing up and down, not giving up, throwing his body on the court, whipping his legs, trying to do everything he can to get the loose ball. And you like to see that, why? Because the Spurs were playing horribly as far as the energy uh, department is versus OKC, and he brought that life, that spark. And know what? And not to be forgotten, you know, Metu looked pretty good too in the minutes that he mm-hmm. got versus Oklahoma City. Showing that he's more than just a dunker and a paint guy. You know, he knocked down a mid-range shot. So,
1: yeah, but as and far he as Kel- ended up attempting a three-pointer, it was horribly off, but that's besides the point. <laughs> he's in Austin, he's been building that range. And so he mm-hmm. got the opportunity to at least showcase it against OKC. And you saw some fancy footwork on the block where he, yeah. he missed a floater, it looked like, but his ability, his footwork to, kind of get the defender on his heels, spin off of him into the lane, and then put up that floater. It, it, it was good-looking footwork, to say the least. Yeah, it
0: it really was. The, the Spurs' two young guns uh, definitely look great in the limited time, but we got to couch that because it was limited time. It was garbage time. Uh, uh, if Kelden are meant to aim this, and if they can do that without the time, the argument is, okay, fine, maybe – as James, you mentioned that MB kelden did some stupid things, and we don't get to see and Pop sees. But how else is he going to break out of that? You know, unless he gets out there. That's the thing. You know, yes, the rub. Okay, Pop, you may be grilling him post game for things he did bad, but then to send him to Austin to work on his craft. Okay, fine. But eventually, he's going to have to get NBA run. So, ugh. you know. But I, I guess James too with the Spurs mathematically not out of it you know I, I just don't see Popovich risking a, a win here and loss there if they are gunning for that ace seed but mm, it's Keldin a difficult to show. spot
1: to be in uh, just because when we saw the Spurs at their peak right and the way they do this and the way they kind of groom their talent and everything and you go you come up you you do something wrong, you go back down to Austin, you play a couple of minutes here. Like the way we've seen these Spurs players cultivated has worked. But the the backbone of all of that has always been Tim Duncan. Pop can undress a Tim mm-hmm. Duncan and as the lead Tim can take and shoulder the brunt of everything and everybody goes, well if he's yelling at this dude like this I can't say anything. I think we're in a different mindset of NBA players. Like, the players aren't mentally put together the way Tim Duncan was or Manu Ginobili or Tony Parker. Like, mentally, you have these social anxiety issues and other things that come to the forefront that it's different. Like, the the mindset of an NBA player is different than it used to be, and I'm not sure, you know – A player that played four years in college, like Tim Duncan did, or you know, dealing with uh, uh, Manu Ginobili, who was already a pro for multiple seasons, won MVPs and and titles over in Europe. Uh, Tony Parker, although coming in at nineteen, had been a pro for what four years in Paris before eventually getting drafted. I mean, all these players, while young, had developed differently mentally as they came to San Antonio and now you don't have players being developmentally the same way because they grow up in the AAU life where they play with their friends or they form the best team possible and they go to college for a year and it's not about necessarily winning an NBA championship and or an NCAA championship in college it's more about these couple of months are going to get me into the NBA draft, which is going to get me where I want to go now. And I just think the mentality of players is different and you can't handle them the same way that you were able to handle those kids back in the day because we are, we are in a different time mentally with these players like DeMar DeRozan. Like you don't see pop undressing DeMar DeRozan the way you used to see or hear about him undressing in Tim Duncan mainly because you can't, right. because it's, it's going to be yeah, detrimental I... to the player and and the way he plays. And if that's the case, I don't think you can do the same things that you've always done in, in terms of trying to get these guys prepared to play at the NBA by just, you know, you messed up, your minutes are gone. And I think that's going to have a detrimental effect to these players now, too, just because today's modern NBA and the mindset of players is just completely different than it's ever been. And I just don't think that Pop can coach the same way because what was the common denominator? He had Tim Duncan to yell at. And if you can yell at Tim Duncan and the rest of the players see that, you kind of fall in line. But the days of Tim Duncan, who had been in college for four years before coming to the NBA or Manu Ginobili, who had been in Europe winning titles for all those years and MVPs, and you know coming into the league fully seasoned. Even Tony Parker, who as young as he was, I think had been playing basketball mm-hmm. for about four or five years in France before coming to America and, and playing pro ball here. So, like all of them, had a different mindset. And today's players, you know, their AAU life, the the not even really in college. They're just playing basketball games in college. They're not focused on so much getting an NCAA championship as they are getting to the pros. So Mm -hmm. it's not about that anymore. And, you know, the mindset of players is just different. DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, uh, Kevin Durant, you know, you, you see these players with these, Social anxiety issues, or 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 the need to pop off on Twitter, or whatever it may be, and it's just different. Like people are mentally not the same as they were back then. Mm-hmm. And I was even talking with this uh, about this with Antonio Daniels, and it was like players are just they're not wired the same way as they were back in the '90s or in the early 2000s. And part of that's true, but I also think part of it is like, well, some of these players are wired differently, just like every player has been throughout the history of the game. Mm-hmm. It's just there's new things and new diagnoses, and we start to realize these things now. We're starting to realize that Neymar DeRozan is wired this way, and you have to handle them differently, and you have to coach them differently. Well if that's the case then we have to handle these young players differently than we've ever handled them before too just because it's not the same like you can you can try it but and it, it do that but it could be an adverse trial with a player because mm-hmm. we don't know how players are going to react mentally to having their minutes yanked for maybe one bad defensive assignment or you know a couple of slip ups during a game some some players need reps. Yep. Some pe- people need mental reps in the film room, some need physical reps out on the court. Some need to actually play against the better competition to learn how to do it because if you keep sending them to the G League to play against lesser competition while while they may be dominating that league, they're not they're not faced with the same adversity that they are in the NBA and so things come easier and then they're not used to having to adapt to something that somebody's trying to take away from them in the NBA to make themselves better at that. I mean, it's just today's modern NBA player is differently, and in in that respect, let's say we get a top ten, twelve pick, right in the NBA draft. Well, do you expect to see him immediately? No, <laughs> you don't. They'll probably go through the Spurs process and be going to Austin. And and that's the tough thing to deal with is. Uh, it's it's just different and it's it's nothing on pop because he is a great coach, but they're much like the evolution of his style from four down to the beautiful game and making the extra pass to what he's doing now and taking more threes than he's ever taken before. Right. Like y- you also have to evolve with how you handle certain players. And maybe part of that revolves around, you have to evolve around the way you handle some of this youth that you have coming in and maybe let them go fail. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, experience is the best teacher. And the best way to do that is to let them fail. And hopefully that will happen uh, with the Spurs in case, uh, or if and when more likely the Spurs don't make the postseason and bring in these young guys and let them play. And as James mentioned, you know, they got to fail. That's the only way they're going to learn. Uh But as far as uh, K.J.'s future with San Antonio, obviously it's bright. uh, He's looking good in Austin. He leads the team in points per game. We all know he brings that hustle and energy. I'm just glad he's able to showcase it on the NBA stage where it really opened up eyes. It definitely opened up DeMar DeRozan's eyes. He spoke about it (laughs) afterwards, saying, you know, like, this is what they needed, um, that he looked really good, that this is going to boost his confidence moving forward. So. That's one vet looking to a rookie, and he's been there before, so that obviously weighs a lot. All right, when we get back, uh, James and I are going to continue our chat about the San Antonio Spurs. We're back, and I'm joined by James Pleasure. He's the co-host of ESPN San Antonio's The Saturday Morning Hangover, everything you need to know from the sports world. Uh, You pretty much just wrap up everything that's been going on for the week, right. Oh, that's the, that's the intent anyway. (laughs) We may get a little
1: sidetracked from time to time, but um, it's always just a good time. And and it's a, it's a way to not even wrap up, but we like to preview a lot of stuff that's Mm -hmm. going on over the weekend, you know, and kind of get you ready for whether it was the big uh, Fury Wilder fight, Mm -hmm. or if it's getting you ready for the NFL combine or XFL games or the big, uh, Spurs Jazz game on Saturday night. Like, whatever it may have been, we're just trying to get all of the sports info we out, can out in the funnest way possible. <laughs> well, somebody had
0: fun at the ref's expense. I'm pretty sure you saw this. Did you see RC Buford's son, Chase Buford, go off on the refs? <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see his hair? I want to talk about his hair. Did, I mean, he must have literally, like, you know, that expression, like, oh, I'm pulling out my hair. Like, he literally may have been doing that because he had this. I don't know how to like this Lonnie Walker look, just all straight up, <laughs> everywhere going, red in the face. I i mean, to the point where the, the G League team had to issue a statement. I mean, its, it's it was that bad, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it's always fun, and you can start to see.
1: Uh, when Chase first gets into it and his hair gets all wily and squirrely and <laughs> literally pulling his hair out the yeah. way. I mean, it, but it's
0: fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get a hefty fine. There's no doubt about that for what he did. I mean, he literally, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, uh, just, just go to Spurs Zone. It's there. Uh, but he literally says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, like the refs did illegal things. He, he went there, he cussed out a ref. Yeah. Uh, and he, he he named the ref. And no, you know what really got me to James? And he dared the reporter to put it on Twitter. Remember he said, you can put this on Twitter. <laughs> he, did, did he, do you think he
1: caught Pops up and said, how would you handle this, Pop? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that he had a moment of weakness and frustration. And if you've watched enough G League games – um, those are not NBA refs. <laughs> no, not at all. And so things, I can see a, a boiling point was bound to happen at some point if you're coaching. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a league where the uh, officiating seems inferior mm-hmm. to the product on the court a lot of the times.
0: And it's, it, it just, ended up playing its way out <laughs> it it definitely did and and before i let you go because i know you're a busy man over there at ESPN in san antonio um i don't know if you saw this on on twitter and i meant to tag you on this and so I me do that as soon as we're done here but some artists put together the the very the different iterations of the joker from um oh wow. yeah yeah yeah. did you see that yeah, had yeah like uh cesar morero um uh obviously um walking phoenix uh, the kid, um, uh, Mon- Monahan, Hall. yeah, or not Joan Hall, but Leto, Leto, and, yes, um, uh, and, and also Ledger, obviously. Yeah,
1: yes. I saw that. That was really cool. But I thought the coolest thing I saw you actually did tag me in this weekend was the whole uh, new Transformers oh War for Cybertron next Netflix. Jesus, that's, <sighs> that's everything looked, that we've been looking. It looks like eighties dope. Right. Transformers right there.
0: Yeah. And and know what I liked about it, and I hope they do it, is actually I hate to brush your bubble, everybody, especially those that grew up in the 80s like I did, but their model weren't so squeaky clean. And I hope <laughs> they bring that out in the um, in the series, because if you read their graphic novels, um, I guess they they retconned everything and they went back and started, like, you know, okay, what really just went down in Cybertron? Why was Megatron so ticked off? Those Autobots were assholes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always it's always told from a from mm-hmm. a perspective, right? Like every, yeah. uh, I think one of the greatest quotes I've ever seen is: "No matter how good you think you are, you're the villain in somebody's story." Yeah, well,
0: that's that. And you, there's there's a there was a moment I read the graphic novel. It was basically if you ever read it, James, or anybody listening right now, it's called "The Rise of Megatron," and. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of that series you're kind of like sitting back like i don't blame him <laughs> because i don't blame him for being that mad you know and doing for what he did you're like my childhood is gone now my autobots the good guys are done you know what's going on here um but yeah it, it's definitely great it, it's just awesome. It doesn't have it. Definitely the '80s vibe, and I'm going to be checking that out. No doubt about that. Uh, James, one more time, tell everybody I think you listen to you and RJ on Saturday morning Hangover.
1: Yeah, RJ Ochoa, and myself, uh, RJ Ochoa, blogging the boys. So if you're a Cowboys fan, uh, we do get into a lot of great Cowboys discussions as well as Saturday morning Hangovers, nine to eleven on ESPN San Antonio, 1250 on the AM, 94.5 on the FM. You can also listen online at ESPNSA.com, and under the Listen tab, you can always go back and listen to archived versions of the show. We try and get them up as quickly as possible. You can follow us on Twitter. He is at RJ Ochoa. I am at I am Pledger, P-L-E-D-G-E-R, or you can follow the station at ESPN underscore SA.
0: You got all that?
1: That's oh, exactly yeah. and uh, we have <laughs> got
0: Facebook Live on Saturdays, too, so. <laughs> That's like the waves now. I think I'm seeing a lot of that happening now, Facebook Live, and I guess there was a moment, wasn't Facebook kind of dead in the water, like nobody was really going there? I'm starting to see it kind of trend back up again.
1: Well, is, Facebook is, is, it's it's your safe. Okay. Like where, where Instagram is and mm-hmm. where Snapchat is, and you can always, yes, reach the youngers, but. I mean, it's what we knew first. It's mm-hmm. what our parents first learned how to use. Yep. Uh, e- even though they were tech out there, it's kind of the first thing you grow up as a millennial learning mm-hmm. how to use. Like Facebook's the safe place where kind of it meets all, all of the generations, the yeah. baby boomers, the millennials, the Gen Zs, the Gen mm-hmm. Xs, like it, they're all kind of there on Facebook. And you, you probably do it just as much as I do. Like yeah. you get bored. You just start scrolling through Facebook a little bit, just kind of see, you know, give it, give it a quick scroll through, see what's going on, nothing there, switch over to Instagram or Twitter or wherever else, see what else is going on in the world. But when you're trying to check on your friends, there's really only a couple of places you go. Yeah,
0: I my my tech growing up was called the advocates. That's how what I am. <laughs> no, uh, I'll say no. You know what I mean. Before I put a wrap on this thing, you know, I actually remember vividly the first time I encountered internet. Like I I remember vividly. Yes, I was, yeah. You got me. With that too, but I remember. Uh, I'm an alumni of St. Mary's University in San Antonio, and mm-hmm. um, they when the internet was first like hitting it. You know, I still was clueless. I didn't remember anything. You know, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what this internet was. And I remember one day going to the library and going upstairs to the computer room. Everybody huddled around one computer. Like it was just like as if a rock concert was about to break out. And oh, I remember it's... Yeah, and I remember cutting through the the crowd, you know, kind of cutting through like what is a big fuss? What is a big fuss? And I look and somebody is sitting on that chair with that one computer in the entire computer lab surfing the net and everybody figuring out I remember everybody saying no you have to put www colon slash slash I remember that vividly so that's how old I am everybody I can remember <laughs> exactly the first time I encountered internet but speaking of the internet go uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone uh, Spurs Zone News for San Antonio on Fox 29 sanantoniocom everything you need for your Spurs fix whether it be this show or Chase Buford going off or uh, how the kids are doing in Austin. and uh, Or more Kelvin. Or more Kelvin. You're going to get plenty of Kelvin over there because it's going to get to the point soon where it's going to start looking more towards the future for your Spurs. Uh, but with that, I am Jeff Garcia. He is James Pledger, and he and I, we're going to put a lock on this episode of Lockdown Spurs.